Joe, we're going to have your name on screen. Would you like anything under your name? Would you like mascaleros, the Clash, or anything like that? I'd like you to write punk rock warlord, with warlord being one word. This is a real politics service announcement. With guitar! Know your deselection rights! Opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives, I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any who dissent. What's it? Well, we know who the hard okay. left are in the you know, ascendancy I, I, within, the, within the Labour Party who associate with the hard left. You just said okay, that we were right, to right wing. Hard left agenda. Printing money, nationalisation without compensation, hard left wing position, hard so left, the hard 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 left, the <laughs> oh no, it's cool. It's cool. Um, uh, what, what was I saying? Yeah, no, I ha- I am recording on MP3 Skype recorder, but you're producing this episode anyway, Tom. So I don't have to worry about any I, of that. I am, shit. yes. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, we're, we're taking we're, we're taking the podcast to new the new grounds. We're doing new, new things with the podcast form. Yeah. We're innovating, yeah. just like with the Mark Kozilek one episode. So. uh I guess I should complain about weed a lot. <laughs> but I thought you were feeling very positive about it at the moment. Yeah, I'm actually feeling great. I got a nice big bag. I'm sorted. <laughs> oh, Is this from your own stock? Have you? Have you? What about what about the ones that you're oh, growing? No, no. You're growing. Oh, I gave up on that project. I kind of sucked. Is in a cactus. I'm still growing my psychedelic cacti though. Oh, that's good. Fair play. But yeah, I mean, Fair it's play. so fucking cheap. That eight grams cost me like. Maybe thirty quid. Oh God! <laughs> oh, God! God. You're, in, you're in a good <laughs> land at the moment. I want it all. It was a bag the size of my hand. It was amazing. Oh, if I could just because that's the thing. The only the only issue is that you've run out. Like if I could just keep going, it would be absolutely fine. <laughs> just if it was yeah. never a worry of oh I've got to save this for a more opportune time. If it was just that, I can have some. Can have some more. Have even more. Well, don't worry. When we when we take this show on tour, baby, we get it whenever we want. Oh yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Or we just, you know, or, or the podcast just operates as a front for our weed selling business. I get the cheaper stuff, right? But like, still, <laughs> my uh, my Keef catcher at the bottom gets filled in oh. like two mm. weeks or less. Like, there's just so much, so many crystals on it, man. It's good shit. So dang. (laughs) Jack's just there going, oh. uh, Uh, Feed me. Feed me, Seymour. (laughs) Just mail it to you. (laughs) (laughs) This will work fine. It's the real, real. It's the real, real. It's the real, real. Apparently that fucking nerd JJ Abrams is launching a record label. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be shite, but it's gonna be like the national. I don't know why I thought the national, but it's just, it's just but I think they're quite a bland band. If he does any music, do you reckon what's gonna be his musical uh, trait? Well, in film, his trademark is lens flare. So what's gonna be his musical trademark? Um, just now, because auto tune is good. Um, hmm. If it's done right, like with Kanye, he knows how to use auto tune. Yeah, you should hear it. Makes it like another instrument. Basically, there's there's a load of Kanye demos where he's just like wailing away in auto tune, and there's like the beats really repetitive, (laughs) and there's no fucking melody. It's just obviously trying to get a feel for the track. But yeah, on his records, he does generally use the good stuff. I liked on Yay on uh, Ghost Town when Kanye sings that little verse and he doesn't even have any auto tune on, but it's just quite good singing. 
Like, someday we gonna get this off. Duh, duh, duh. Yeah, I quite like that. Yeah. Sometimes I drink all the wine, act like I took all the shine, or something. Yeah, yeah, quite like that. But oh, there is a random me. bit where I'm like, why didn't you, like, just redo that line? Where, like, in the middle of his verse, he just starts going, duh, 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 just, like, mumbling. It's like, mate, you know, <laughs> you know you can just mute that bit and, like, put in a corrected version of the line. Like, it's lazy. <laughs> oh, nope, everything is perfect on the first take, dude. Eric Clapton announces Christmas album with a Vici tribute Fuck song. Oh, what? What? Why? The worst people. Why is Why is Clapton paying tribute to? Is to Coldplay Avicii? gonna be there? <laughs> I I had in my head that these holiday songs could be done with a slight blues tinge. Oh fucking hell, that sounds shit. <laughs> and I start. He's never done that before, has he? No, and I start. <laughs> no, he's to never gone in that territory. How to play the blues lines in between the vocals? It's called the pentatonic scale, Eric. It's really simple. You just go <laughs> doodle da da da. Like you can do it between absolutely any line in anything if there's a gap between the vocals. I, I, what I'm just doing right now is I'm just reading a stereo gum site. So that's that's why I keep saying, oh, this thing's happening. This thing happening but uh when you want to get on topic shall we get going yeah yeah exactly so you're I, you're in charge of this episode top tom thank you thank you expect there to be no coherent structure but we'll <laughs> give it a go hello welcome to the real politics podcast i'm tom and i'm joined today by two of the other original members of the podcast uh, Mr. Jack Frayne Reed. Hello. Thank you for joining me, Jack. Hi. Hello, hello, Jack. Hello. All right. <laughs> you sound thrilled to be here. <laughs> yeah. So it's like it's all right. When I, tell I heard you... that uh, some other fucker is like taking charge of the show, I was a bit worried about um, <laughs> about you know it's just new leadership. I I, I just I, it's it, it's not an issue. You know, Tom Foster is a good man. But I just worry about his competence and his ability to lead. There, there is no competence. Is there going to be a purge, Jack? Uh, I, if I get my way, certainly. Uh, I, I, anyway, I've just I've just heard back from Peter Mandelson, and it turns out Tom Foster is not a good man. He supports terrorism, and he is he is complicit in bloodshed, which of course Peter Mandelson and other luminaries of the New Labour era. Are not. This is true. This is true. This is true. God, <laughs> so many revelations coming out so early on in the episode. It's shocking. Um, but uh, I, I, I am, I am disheartened by the leadership of this podcast, and I am contemplating a challenge to the leadership of the uh, of the Real Politics podcast. Oh, is this going to be like Angela Eagle, where you just keep mooting it for weeks and weeks, and then you, yeah, and then you do it, and it just fizzles out like a like a stale. <laughs> fart or something don't know why don't know what put, went to the put, stale yeah. fart imagery we're not talking about james o'brien's face because you've got a party led by a man who has the moral integrity of a kit kat and yet somehow has managed to persuade significant swathes of decent people that he speaks for decency no he doesn't he's a disgrace and if the labor party was led by anybody else it would be 20 points ahead in the polls shut up with you stupid cunt He's got a very gammon... I think when he's older, he'll have a very gammon face. I think so, yeah. His face is quite gammony now, as it is. Like, yeah. it's quite red and, like, all sort of hotch-potched all over the place. As yeah. He sort of sits there with his hand on his chin, <laughs> making comments that make no sense. And just like, oh, Corbyn, oh, yeah, he's always God. He's always like, scratching he, his mouth, isn't he? What's going on yeah, there? He has is. he got fucking rats living in there or some shit? He, he's doing that sort of that scratching of the chin where you're sort of making, like, a really salient point. Except <laughs> yeah. he's not saying anything that's salient. He's just talking shit. Led by a man who has the moral integrity of a Kit Kat. He was complaining about all the abuse from the Corbyn Easters the other day, and I, it was so hard not <laughs> yeah, to quote tweet him saying, you deserve every bit of it, cunt. <laughs> <laughs> He um he didn't he do like a show on ITV that was it was called the James O'Brien show and it was basically a little bit like Jeremy Kyle and the, the Big Questions that show that was on that's I think still on the BBC where they sort of get like an audience in to talk about social issues and the big questions. Pavel, what do you think? It's a, it's a simple question: Is immigration destroying this country? Also with us we have Yair from yeah, yeah, I... America. Welcome, Yair. 
So here we are today. We're going to talk about a band that we all hold close to our hearts. Mm. Tom, did you hear how, like, while I was really stoned, I saved somebody? <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you what? Saved you, saved, you saved someone. You saved a life. So, somebody like, whacked their head at the bottom of a slide, and they, like, passed <laughs> out under the water. Uh, oh, and God. I went and plucked them out and, like, put them on the float with back up, face up, so that they could breathe and luckily they just started breathing again but they were unconscious slightly and they had to be sort of like shaken awake uh and yeah like that was me on medicinal marijuana get out of here dewey what are y'all doing in here we're smoking reefer and you don't want no part of this shit you're smoking reefers yeah of course we are can't you smell it no sam i can't come on dewey Join the party. No, Dewey. You don't want this. Get out of here. You know what? I don't want no hangover. I can't get no hangover. It doesn't give you a hangover. Well, I get addicted to it or something? It's not habit-forming. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. I don't want to overdose on it. You can't OD on it. It's not going to make me want to have sex, is it? It makes sex even better. Sounds kind of expensive. It's the cheapest drug there is. Hmm. You don't want it. I think I kind of want it. Okay, but just this once. Come on in. (laughs) (laughs) Sharp as fuck. First one there. Just fucking on it. I've heard that the medicinal properties of cannabis are that it gives you life-saving powers. You just have to touch someone and they just it's like regenerate. It's a Midas touch, yeah. You turn, turn into a superhero, but not a fascist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that wasn't to brag, but that was just a funny anecdote, I thought. You know. The thing that. is the fact that uh, like, legally speaking, in order to drive... I would have to like abstain for about a week thanks to the half life of THC and how much I consume. So like there's just there's just no point even trying. No, it's good. It's good. And I love how you use the story as a, ultimately the story was a plug for the legalization of marijuana. So <laughs> <laughs> To John, his first pot party looks exciting. Everyone seems to be having fun. Best of all, there are no parents, no other adults, no one to interfere with the fun. The feeling of importance, of belonging, of putting one over is taking hold. Now's the time to introduce the joints. But Pete has learned the rules well. This is the test, the time to separate the man from the boy. John's willpower, individuality, character are slipping down the drain. In their place come the old behavior habits and excuses. Everybody else is doing it. The natural defenses are crumbling. The barriers of caution are beaten down. Drag it, man. Try anything once. Fly. You can't get a habit from weed. Quit whenever you like. Don't be chicken. Under the proddings of the gang, the effects of the atmosphere and beer, the desire to belong, he chooses to go along. (laughs) Well, what I will say is that Tom has no fucking sense of discipline. But as I say, (laughs) he doesn't doesn't know how to keep his hosts in line. He doesn't know how to keep the show on the road. He can't structure a show properly. He's a terrible host. He should resign. And obviously me saying this, it's not political. Like when David Cameron called for Corbyn to resign. It's not, no, it's not political. It's certainly not a power grab by my wing of the podcast to to try and push Tom out so so I can exert even further um, creative control. It's absolutely not that. I just, I'm just disappointed in the lack of strong leadership. God, this this internal fighting reminds me of a band that we're going to talk about today. <laughs> See what I did there? See what Do I the did? decent thing and step down. Shut up, you stupid cunt. <laughs> piss off us, I'll piss all over you. <laughs> I'll fucking piss all over you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> we'll explain that reference in a bit. <laughs> We've got into piss play now. <laughs> I love how... Um, the left uses piss as an insult, but little did they know that it was Joe Strummer that 
created that. You know who he was insulting as well, which give, gives him extra socialist cred. Which journalist was it? Oh, it was a fucking journalist. That's the main thing, isn't it? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because, uh, yeah. So, ba- okay. So, yeah, we're talking about the clash today, basically. <laughs> Just, <laughs> so get that out there. Uh, yeah, we're only talking about um, t- two of the albums and some of the work they did after uh, the band fell apart. We, we we don't need to talk about London Calling or The Clash or give them enough rope. They're they're great albums. They've been spoken about enough. But there's yeah. two albums that we think need a bit of a bit of discussion and a, they need to be opened up. And so we're gonna, in our infinite wisdom, present them to you. Talk about these two albums and and show you why you should go back and listen to them again because they really are very much underrated. And they are Sandinista and combat rock and we're not going to talk about cut the crap because it is fucking crap <laughs> it's <laughs> terrible it is terrible The pounding, what the like? Is it the drum sound? What what's going on with it's that? It's the drum record? machines. It's it's the oh, fucking drum machines drum are not machines. programmed properly. Oh, they used excessive drum machines in it. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, was that after Topper had left the band then? Oh yeah, it's after Topper left the band. After they got rid of uh, Terry Chimes the second time, and then after they got rid of actually, I think the third drummer they brought in just before Mick Jones left was with them into this clash mark 2 period but basically i think um because because cut the crap came out in 85 so it would have came out just after big audio dynamite's first album so i don't know whether bernie rhodes was like yeah i'm liking some of the drum machines on the first album we're gonna we're gonna use this joe we're gonna use this on our on our album and show how it's done but they don't know how to program a fucking drum machine because it's terrible I think the only noteworthy song from Cut the Crap is This Is England, but even then it's like really ruined by the production. But their mm. previous album you actually rate, don't you? Had, who had left the band Combat by that Rock. Point? Was everyone still in? Yeah, yeah, Topper was still in there, Mick was still in there, Combat Rock is uh, I think it's def- I think it's unfairly defined by two of its biggest songs, which are like Rock the Casper and uh, Should I Stay or Should I Go? put those to the side you've still got them continuing to experiment and we'll get into those particular songs in a bit but yeah i i i highly rate combat rock i really do though i will say i do wish we had uh, uh an official release of what combat rock was originally going to be which was called rap patrol from fort bragg which is widely available online as like a bootleg and basically rap patrol from fort bragg is what mick jones originally produced the album to be and then I'm assuming they handed it into uh, their record company, who said, "No, uh, this we don't want another Sandinista. Cut this down, fucking." And then obviously uh, Mick Jones was like, "Fuck you!" So they bring in a guy called Glyn Johns, who re uh, repackaged the uh, the album for its release. And even then, like I think that the Glyn Johns release of the album's pretty good. I think the most interesting tracks are still intact, like "Get Out Defendant." Sean Flynn, Overpowered by Funk, Red Angel Dragnet, you know, they're still in there and they've got interesting mixes on them. But uh, yeah. I've got the bootleg of uh, Rap Patrol from Fort Bragg and yeah, it's it's another really spacious, interesting journey. It, it's an, if, they re- if they released Rap Patrol from Fort Bragg um, as it was originally intended, it would have it would have made a really nice companion piece with Sandinista, like two really like you know Sandinista's like the, this triple album while uh, Rap Patrol from Fort Bragg would have been kind of like you know would have been like a double album originally now it, it was just a, it just came out it, it's very much kind of like the same in terms of length as uh, Give Em Enough Rope and The Clash but it's still a great album as I say it's an, an unfairly kind of judged because of the two biggest songs that came off it and sort of kind of skyrocketed the clash to this kind of mete- meteoric uh, success that kind of in turn made them implode. <laughs> 
Uh, speaking of Combat Rock, I don't think it is actually... Obviously, well, there's the track on Combat Rock, which um, Ghetto Defendant, which is a collaboration with Allen Ginsberg, mm. the beat poet. Yes. Starved in Metropolis. Hooked on Necropolis. Addict of Metropolis. Yes. I tried. Yes, I, I, yes I, if look, that's how you want to refer to it. Yeah, the beat poet or the, the, well, the, the, the well-known member of Nambler. But, yeah, 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 yeah. A prominent <laughs> Nambler activist as well. You know, it's a man of principle. <laughs> yeah, well, if, <laughs> uh, yeah, if, 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 if Alan fucking Dershowitz is being, you know, reclaimed by the uh, British media currently as, as a principled anti-Corbyn martyr, um, you know, then I, I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think other people who have uh, figuratively or literally taken a ride on the liter express should be um no i'm not no i do think they should be actually but i looked up a version of i looked up the lyrics of their other collaboration capital air which is i think yeah. a live performance yes. from the late 70s it was and i think it was during their um residency at uh, the the bonds casino in new york yeah. i think some, you know they did that big residency some stupid bellend has asterisked out the fucking lyrics like, why the fuck would you do that? Like, Alan fucking Ginsburg, man. It's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, Alan Ginsburg, he was never about the words. Let's, let's get rid of the <laughs> one thing that defined Alan Ginsburg, his fucking words. He was all about, the, yeah, those, those peppy melodies of the songs where he's just playing a really, really monotonous one-chord drone on a fucking pipe organ or whatever. 100,000 alcohol deaths, that's the drugs to fear. Don't smoke, don't smoke, don't smoke, don't smoke, don't smoke, don't, 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 don't smoke, don't smoke, don't smoke, don't smoke. Get hooked on cigarettes, go fight the war on drugs, smoke any other weed, get bust by government thugs, don't smoke, 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 don't smoke. Um, I like, but, uh, but yeah, so I don't like Castro insulting, insulting members of my S star star. Uh, okay, uh shit maybe because it comes with all the word fix i don't like capitalists selling me gasoline c star star e what uh, what i i don't like zionists acting n star 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 stormtroop what <laughs> why has this, this person this... arbitrarily starred what? out oh okay i understand this one and they f star 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 each other in the a star star I yeah. think I understand what that one means. The B star 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 Iron Curtain of American military power. This is what? this is insane. I can't find I can't find a, like a another non non fucking redacted um, transcript of the lyrics to Capital Air anywhere else. And I on like is that on like uh, Music Genius? I don't I don't know. Hang on, let's just search out. Maybe if I just search Allen Ginsberg Capital Air, because it didn't they didn't they base didn't he just go along to one of their gigs for that particular performance and they just went backstage and he just improved a bit of poetry and then they did a bit of kind of like backing to it and then they just went out and yeah. performed it during the next gig that they were due to play that day because of course I think they played like was it seventeen gigs during that residency <laughs> like they, yeah they 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 completely oversold it so they had to reorganize a lot more gigs and stuff oh god so. it's like multiple gigs a day. I think it had to do like twice a day over like oh God. two weeks because the management completely overbooked it. That's like the Beatles in Hamburg type um, work rate. But yeah, I've, I've found on phonelyrics.com uh, as opposed to the very sad and tragic failing flashlyrics.com um, a selection of lyrics which don't have the words start out. So it turns out that I don't like Castro insulting members of my S star star was members of my sex. Is he is he calling out Castro's um, treatment of the LGBT community? Yeah, probably, because this is, I think, probably. the late 70s, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. which was the period before Castro finally caught up and realised that actually, you know, this is the one area I've really fucked up in. I don't like capitalists selling me gasoline, C star, 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 Coke. 
is what they've started out there. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, right, they've started out Nazi, comparing Zionists to yeah. Nazi. I mean, I think that's dodgy, comparing Zionists to Nazis, but, you know... Ginsburg. I totally do it, but yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. But but again, like you and Alan Ginsburg are both Jewish, so I think you've got more of a right to do that than um, most people. Yeah. Um, than some some cunt just going through it for the Alan Ginsburg lyrics, but he's just painstakingly transcribed and being like, "Well, I need to censor out the word Nazi and the word Coke." It probably is an automated program, I would imagine, for the whole website. That's ridiculous, though. Like, do they have? You can any... <laughs> easily set one up. It's really super easy. Do Lots they have... of forums do. Do they? Do you reckon they have any rap lyrics on this website? Just the star, star, <laughs> oh, star, 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 star. Look star. up like a Fifty Cent song or something. Like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Flash lyrics. Bitches ain't shit. Let's see what we've got for this. Oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah. B star 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 ain't S star star. B star star. Lick on these nuts. And oh, right. That makes it through. And suck the D star star It's only star. nuts. It's like, uh, it's like peanuts or Yeah, something. let's get the F star star out after you're done. And I hops in my ride to make a quick run. I used to know a B star star called Eric Wright. We used to <laughs> roll around an F star star the hose at night. Tighter than an M star 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 fucking so the mother is censored but fucking is not gangster beats <laughs> and we was balling on the here we go M star 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 F star 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 Compton streets so yes I think they do just censor any word they deem profane including coke and sex they censor coke but not motherfucking properly <laughs> I know <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what the Iron Curtain of American military power is. The bloody Iron Curtain. So they censor the word bloody as well. Anyway, this is so unrelated. Let's let's move on. Yeah. So, The Clash. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're all big fans of The Clash. Uh, I like them, yeah. Certainly, I mean, yeah. I mean, like, when I was younger and stuff, like, listening to a lot of the stuff they talk about it was very 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 influential informative in some of the politics i'd have to say and uh the great thing about sandinista and also combat rock is one of those albums that uh you grow to appreciate more over time and sandinista is one of those albums that's uh it, it can be off-putting to a lot of people but if you give it a chance and you go into it with the right frame of mind you won't be disappointed at all <laughs> thing we've got to start off with Sandinista is it's it's like a sort of world music album it, it mm. pretty much tries out everything it, it's um you, you're gonna you hear there's like reggae right. jazz Rap in there as well, hip hop influence. What do we got? Meet the king and Mahatma Gandhi went to the park to check on the game. But they was murdered by the other team. Went on to win 15 nil. You can be true, you can be false. You'll be given the same reward. Socrates, a millhouse kicks and folk went the same way through the kitchen. Plato the Greek or in Tin Tin. Who's more famous is a billion million? Rockabilly. Gospel. After all this time, do believe in Jesus? After all these drugs, I thought I was pissed. Uh, a dub, a lot of dub. There's fucking so much dub on this album, but that's great. I'm fine with there being loads of dub. I've got no problem with that whatsoever. So you got to hip hop to you, 
Um, it's 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 a fucking sprawling, wonderful mess, and I love it. Regarding the kind of hip hop influence on, the, uh, or rather the influence the Clash had, where they they kind of resonated at least briefly with hip hop culture. That started on Sandinista, didn't it? Because the Magnificent Seven yes. is on that record. Yeah, which predated Rapture by Blondie, which is often sort of considered by many to be the first kind of uh, hip hop track written and recorded by a um, a, a white rock group. Um, but no, uh, the Clash did it first. Sorry, Blondie. <laughs> Yeah, the, the Magnificent Seven is this, this about was it six minute long kind of like kind of ja- like funky jazz Incredible tune funky. with kind of yeah <laughs> ring <laughs> ring seven a.m. yeah yeah and, and even it, Joe Strum is like the song's fucking long in it fucking long in it yeah 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 and it's the kind of song where it's like you know it's got a kind of chanting chant style melody that but you know even a rapper could kind of do and it was actually a big hit in the hood wasn't it like in the bronx and places like that i think in the new york rap community which was it did resonate, emerging yeah, at that absolutely. point they did actually really like it really? and the dub stuff was on london calling as well i mean take something oh, yeah. like um, guns of brixton which has the yep. kind of incredibly yep. like deep groove Yeah, we're just so, we'll just play the track. <laughs> it's such a heavy bass sound, I love it. There's a second version of Guns of Brixton in Sandinista, and it comes at the end of a track called Broadway, which is this kind of very like it's like a very 3am jazzy slow tune kind of like you can imagine the clash just walking the, the rainy streets of new york at night along broadway yeah. uh, to kind of get the feel of it it ain't my fault it's six o'clock in the morning he said coming out of the night when he found i had no coins to buy he began to testify Born in a depression Born out of a good life Born in a misery In the back of a car I'm telling you this, mister Don't be put off by looks I've been in the ring And I took those right hands yeah, and at the end, when that track finishes, there's like a sort of 30 second piano tune that gets going, and there's a kid singing Guns of Brixton. Guns and Bricks. I was listening to that first time, like, what? what? And this is our other point about Sandinista. Not everything works. (laughs) It's it's a really ambitious album, and a lot of it does work, but some of it doesn't quite work. Which songs don't you fuck with? Which songs don't I fuck with? I I still listen to all of it, but some of it's like, like, there's some tracks towards the very end, like, um, uh, there's a re-recording of career opportunities that mm. I'm not too keen on. Um, yeah, like so. Side the... six is like mostly dub versions of previous songs on the album. But but then again, I, I love Living in Fame. I love Silicon on Sapphire. Version Partners Partners great as well. Oh wait, what? Uh, I didn't know there were two versions of Washington Bullets on the album. How did I not notice that? Oh, oh, oh yeah, that's the dub. That's the dub version of uh, yeah Silicon on Sapphire is the dub version of Washington Fuck. Bullets, and it's just it's so spacey. It's great. <laughs> Thank you. 
Can we talk Raised about up. Washington Bullets? Because that's my favourite song on the album. Yes, Washington Bullets is essentially a sort of history of Latin American left revolutionary movements, isn't it? And um, it's and it, also the the track where you could say that the Clash melted a little bit. Like. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think uh, I think Laura there might be of that view. I think if she were here, she would uh, dispute what they say uh, with the uh, what is it? Um, you find an Afghan rebel that the Moscow bullets missed Ask him what he thinks of voting communists Ask the Dalai Lama in the hills of Tibet How many monks did the Chinese get In a war-torn swamp stop any mercenary And check the British bullets in his armory well, I think what Joe Strummer is doing is he's trying to relate to people who feel their countries being invaded. So I, I, so I think it's maybe a slightly crude kind of anti-imperialism being like, yeah, the Chinese and the Russians are bad too. <laughs> and um, this has occurred to me about Washington Bullets as well, but like rather than apportioning too much blame to the Soviets and the Chinese for, you know, disrupting the peaceful world order, um, not only is the song called Washington Bullets, obviously the focus of it is on American imperialism, but they kind of bring it full circle to another age-old imperial power and talk about, in a war-torn swamp, ask any uh, mercenary to uh, count the British bullets in their armoury or something. So they they bring it back to the British, and obviously in, in tandem with the American Empire, funding you know, violence and terrorism around the world. The majority of the song is rightfully about American imperialism as any kind of analysis. I mean, give an example of some of the kind of the, the figures they talk about. They talk about the Bay of Pigs. They talk about a, a Vic, the Victor Hara who was Victor uh, Hara, murdered. Yeah. Who was, uh, yeah, who was murdered in the... Uh... Santiago Stadium, I think. The story of how Victor Hara was killed is absolutely harrowing. Like... There it were. is, isn't it? He was, he was basically like they broke his hands. He, he kept he... singing. He kept, he kept playing guitar. So they fucking smashed his guitar and broke his hands. He kept singing. They just killed him. So uh, and and he he was because people love his music. He was a great folk singer. You know that people remember Victor Hara, but there were you know thousands of people murdered by Pinochet's troops in that stadium, and the U.S. were complicit yeah. in it all. Chile was their fucking test tube experiment for neoliberalism. Remember Victor Hara in the Santiago Stadium Oh, was Washington bullets again. Oh, I do um, find it kind of bitterly ironic though, for the very first time ever when they had a revolution in Nicaragua, there was no interference from America. Human rights in America. <laughs> it didn't last long, did it? <laughs> that was uh, <laughs> that was very soon a quite outdated line. And of course, Joe Strummer acknowledged that and was a supporter of the Sandinistas, as you would expect mm. from a guy who called his album Sandinista. <laughs> Sandinista. This is the only album by The Clash that features a, a lead vocal from Topper Heaton. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ivan meets G.I. Joe. So is that about a, a Russian meet... and American encountering one another? I believe it is, yes. But I would like to point out that there is an absolutely fantastic live version of this song.
idea how he's able to do it. At this time, you have to bear in mind, Topahedon was getting very much into uh, heroin. Falling asleep in interviews. Yes, throwing up on airport floors. And stuff <laughs> I'll like that. fucking piss on you. What's well, your fucking business, you cunt? He's throwing up because his stomach fucking hurts, you cunt. Even when I'm vomiting on a carpet in the airport, it's him who's standing up for me, having a go at the journalist, saying he's ill, leave him alone. And... Shut up, will you, stupid cunt? Oh, thanks very much, Pat. Yeah, that's what you deserve with that sort of crap. What do you think we are? Do you think this is 1976 and you're talking to the Sex Pistols? Piss off or I'll fucking piss all over you. <laughs> if he feels like throwing up, it's because his stomach hurts. I don't need your jokes to fucking contend with. If you haven't got something serious to say, piss off. What is serious? Well, you tell me. How about life and death? Never mind who pukes on stinking carpets. Yeah, that, that that is from a. Uh, it's you can see the clip in the very good documentary film about Joe Strummer called The Futurism. Yeah, Rim. by Julian Temple. Yes, who directed a few films during the the prominence of punk. He directed the the Sex Pistols film. Great rock and roll swindle, fucking unwatchable, like absolutely yeah. just <laughs> incoherent, unbearable piece of shit film. It was, it was shot as the Sex Pistols were just completely utterly falling yeah, apart. Yeah, John Lydon had left the band by that point, <laughs> which was all the time. So it's like the, they just they use them in icon. Footage, yeah, the Sex like... Pistols at that point were Steve Jones and Paul Cook. <laughs> and, uh, oh no, they recorded a bunch of songs for the soundtrack with Ronnie Biggs, the great train robber, on vocals. <laughs> it's so funny to me. They're just like, oh, this guy's a criminal. Oh man, it, it, when, when I think about the rock and roll swindle, it, it just brings up kind of bad memories. We kind of just knocked it out. You know, things were falling apart. Halfway through the rock and roll swindle, we'd already broken up, you know. I was doing heroin. It was not a good time. Ronnie Biggs, he was part of the great train robbery. That was the biggest train robbery in 1966, I believe it was. After being captured, he managed to get away and stay away and couldn't be um, caught because there's some weird law. He ended up in... He went to Australia. I think he had a facelift. And he ended up in Brazil. I think he got involved in, in the rock and roll, great rock and roll swindle. I think that was through Malcolm, which I think was great. I, I loved the idea of having him in there and writing a song with him. The song actually went to number seven, a single in, in uh, No One Is Innocent in England. And I think my, it was a double single with My Way on the other side. And um, I thought it was great. Uh, and he was a sweet guy. I, I, I enjoyed hanging out with him in Brazil. I stayed there for six weeks. I, I had a great time. I, the band just ended. I decided I'm done in San Francisco. And we were meant to go to Brazil afterwards anyway. Uh, so... I still went and Cookie came with me and, and Malcolm and, and then we carried on filming some of the rock and roll swindle. That was a good time. By the way, on the next Real Politic musical spin-off, I'm going to get Ben Bradley to sing lead vocals because he's a criminal. Breaking the law, 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 breaking the law. The album's better than the film, but it's a real fucking grab bag. It's got that very lewd song, Friggin' in the Riggin' on it, which has like a full... That's Fred Armisen's favourite album, isn't it? But Fred Armisen says it's his favourite record. He loves that record more than Nevermind the Bollocks, which I thought was weird. But he's, he's a weirdo anyway. Love you, Fred. We're, we're pals, so we can say that. I like, I like Fred Armisen. I like his Ian Rubbish sketches about the punk rock singer who loves Thatcher. I, I, <laughs> let's really get a clip in there. Tonight on History of Punk, Ian Rubbish and the Bizarros. Ian Rubbish and the Bizarros. What a group. Unbelievable. I joined the Bizarros because... In all of punk music, there was no one angrier than Ian Rubbish. He was angry at the police. Hey, policeman! My phone calls in your face! He hated the shopkeeper, the bus driver, he hated the queen. Then Margaret Thatcher was elected Prime Minister. And I remember thinking, I said, look out, Margaret Thatcher. You're about to get rubbished. Attention, attention! I've got a message for you about your Prime Minister. One, two, three, four, hey! 
Have you seen the Have you seen the interview that he did with uh, Mick Jones and Paul Simonon? I don't think I have. Uh, no. In character, in, in character, as Ian Rubbish. Oh, that sounds fucking he, good. <laughs> I've got to watch that. And the whole shtick is basically Ian Rubbish and the Bizarros basically copied the clash. Yeah. Fifteen years old, you're watching your parents struggle to make money. They turn on a telly, and there's riots in the street. And all the government could do is say, "Go over there, sit down, shut up." So out of the whole punk movement, lots of groups come about. You've got the Pistols and the Clash and Ian Rubbish and the Bizarros. The Clash, you know, they write a lot about politics and we try to do the same. What we did with the Clash is, well, they would say something political, we would say something like, we agree with the Clash or what they said. I saw Steve Jones's autobiography in Waterstones yesterday. I thought it looked like quite a good read. I didn't end up picking it up because I bought um, I bought Larry Larry Elliot's pro Brexit book instead. <laughs> <laughs> Just at the stage of buying books to piss off my dad. It's very sad. I don't know if you know knew Yaya, but on the a couple of episodes ago, we announced a new Brexit position on our show. We said that we're we're out. We're, yeah. we're leaving. <laughs> I don't know if you were aware. I, 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 okay. I, I love it because... I assume we already kind of were. We've been moving in that direction for a while, for sure. Um, because what what is real politic about uh, at its core? What Pissing off melts. Pissing off melts, exactly. So what's going to piss them off the most? What, like, my... Yeah, nothing pisses off melts more than supporting even a left-wing, especially a left-wing Brexit. Because they, you know, they want the Tories to stay in power. And what are the Tories going to do if they stay in power? A really, really right-wing Brexit. So, really, they've picked the Tories' Brexit over our ones. It's official now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This was on the episode RP, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, uh, a good episode. A classic. Is it really not good episode? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'll ask no further questions. <laughs> that is the official line, Yaya. You are correct. You w- that will not be edited out. You said the right thing. You towed the line. Right. Keep doing yeah, it. Yeah, I was, I was seeing actually. You know, uh, there's that. Yes, you know, there's that thing, Tory Glastonbury, which they did last year, and about two hundred people turned up. It's, it looked Brilliant. really sad. Well, apparently they're doing it again this year, and they and the Tory MP organising it. Is hoping they'll get like two thousand people. Like, fucking good luck, mate. Like, you, you know, I, I, I reckon, I reckon it will be significantly less successful than Labour Live, but will be spun as more of a success. Um, but who's gonna be who's gonna be playing there? Are they gonna have like Spando Ballet? And, like, uh, well, in terms of who's quote unquote playing, Tom, um, it's it's more of a marketplace of ideas, if you will. Uh, They're gonna have, uh, as it said in the article. Wit Stephen Fry, um, they're go- they're going to ha- imagine that just your career is is being a wit, not a comedian, no, because he doesn't actually. Oh, well, he- sorry, Stephen Fry is going to the conservative melt festival. Yeah, not not the one that's why. I, what is he? Is he a Tory? No, no, no. Because I'll tell you who the other headliner is, and, and I and you know. You got to remember, Tom. It may be called Tory Glastonbury, but this next guy—he is neither left nor right. The other headliner, as well Who as Stephen it? Fry, is going to be none other than Macron. Oh. <laughs> so I'm not a naive optimistic um, optimist, but uh, I do believe that we can have a new momentum. is the nature of the hard left. So I'm hoping that we can get something out of a Brexit deal, which is just prohibit Macron from ever entering the country. Brexit means Brexit. <laughs> Sorry, them's the rules. That economy is not getting through the border. Everyone else can come <laughs> yeah, in. exactly. He, Emmanuel Macron can stay the fuck just away. Just a, bun- a bunch of newly housed Syrian refugees standing on the white cliffs of Dover giving him the fucking finger. <laughs> <laughs> To quote an ex-member of the show, he's a fucking French cunt and I hate him. (laughs) That says it all, really. (laughs) Um, So, The Clash. 
<laughs> this is going to be one of these episodes, isn't it? Where we just keep going off topic. And we're like, yeah. right, the Clash. The clash. Um, so one of my favourite Clash songs is something about England. Oh yeah, that's a great. Which song. is, ah, uh, oh, just it's basically they do it in an old style of English music called a, a music hall. It's a nice sort of companion piece with uh, something like Washington Bullets, which kind of focuses on a lot of the history of Latin America. But with uh, something about England, it is about the the interwar years and the experience of the English working class in those years, how uh, they were essentially kind of left to pick up the pieces from the destruction of the First World War and the Great Depression that followed and how they sought to seek representation and the Jarrow marches. I guess a kind of E.P. Thompson on song sort of thing. Yeah, essentially. And it's it starts off with that first verse where what I love about this song is that if you go onto YouTube and look at the comments, people completely misunderstand that opening verse, which goes like this. Uh, Mick Jones sings the opening verse. They say the immigrants steal the hubcaps off respected gentlemen. Oh, yeah. They say it would be wine and roses if England were for Englishmen again. And it's just basically, yeah, it's just it's kind of just a put down of lazy racism, um, kind of blaming immigrants and immigration on for society's ills. Mick um, and Joe each play a character in the song. Joe plays the quote-unquote dirty overcoat. The, the homeless and, uh, sage. In, in, yeah, the homeless sage who says, you really think it's all new, you really think about it too. The old man scoffed as he spoke to me. I'll tell you a thing or two. Yeah, there you go. Well, I'm surprised that people are misinterpreting the lyrics in the first verse because, I mean, that's entirely in keeping with The Clash's lyrics right from their early days, like songs like White Riot and other other songs on their first record, ascending up those kind of ignorant, racist attitudes and sometimes singing from the point of view of those people. And this one, they're just kind yeah. of saying, they say such and such. But, yeah. it's you know, The Clash were always, uh, were, were always explicitly anti-racist in their lyrics. Ah, well, Jack, you don't understand. Because, believe it or not, a lot of people who comment on YouTube on the comment section for something about England have a, a much different take on what this song is really about. So let's have a let's have a little mini real politic reading for the listeners. Fucking brace yourselves, folks. It's time for a real politic reading of the YouTube comments for the clashes something about England. Oh boy. This is from Steve MHN. Love the clash. Shame about their communism. <laughs> Fuck. Stan Maria said, hmm, welcome to Brexit. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> How can people so fucking terribly misread this song? It's tragic. <laughs> Someone's uploaded the song. With the title The Clash, something about England, hashtag Brexit. <laughs> God. I don't like how this song has been taken by Remainers and just completely made out to be, oh, everyone is voting Brexit, so fucking, oh, little England. <laughs> Siamese Dream says, Brexit for the win. <laughs> God. <sighs> It's a great song, but for whatever reason, it's attracting loads of gammon in the comments. Very sad and tragic. And that was a real politic reading of the YouTube comments on Something About England by The Clash. Bloody hell. It, sh it should be wine and roses for Englishmen again. Well, you know, I may, I may not. I Fuck all this history about the English working classes after the after that first verse, though. They couldn't, they couldn't <laughs> top that first verse. Well, I may not agree with them on everything, but me and unnamed YouTube commenters can at least agree that the best thing to do at once is to leave the European Union. <laughs> <sighs> I want to tell you one thing about Joe Strummers, according to Boris Johnson. Now, again, listeners, I want to say this came from the mouth the mouth of Boris Johnson, so he's probably talking shit. Oh, God. But according to Boris Johnson, Joe Strummer wrote a letter to him where he was, he was complimentary of him, oh, supposedly. Supposedly. Well, mate, and I, I like how you, to think you, this you is bonked that bird bollocks. and then you lied about it to Michael Howard and he sacked you. <laughs> A thing I really like about Joe Strummer is that he briefly joined the Pogues after Shane McGowan was yes. sacked. Yes, yes. He, uh, 
and they actually performed some of Clash songs during those gigs as well, didn't yeah, they? Yeah. They played Straight to Hell. I was Life disappointed, actually, because uh, there's a live album of one of those gigs, and I listened to it, and the Clash songs are pretty straightforward, faithful to the original covers. So it's not like uh, London Calling with a fucking tin whistle all over it, which was, which was really <laughs> disappointing to me. <laughs> it's cool hearing the Pogue songs sung by Joe Strummer, though, because he's obviously a fan of the band. Joe's already said this, but this goes out in the shade. in that Alex Cox film, Straight to Hell. He scored Walker and he also did a few tracks for Sid and Nancy as well, didn't he? Well, Another Alex, Alex Cox film. Yeah, um, Walker was, is an interesting film actually because... It's like an acid western, isn't it, with like Ed Harris. Every now and then there's like a car. A helicopter, yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, it's yeah. incredibly <laughs> anachronistic. I can't remember if they actually shot the film in... No, I think they ended up shooting it in Spain, but he wanted... Uh, Alex Cox wanted to shoot it in Nicaragua, and it's about uh, colonialist conquest of Nicaragua. Um, Mm. But, oh no, most of the film was shot in Granada. 
Uh, to get into character, Ed Harris led the entire cast on a 10-mile forced march through the Nicaraguan countryside. <laughs> uh, apparently, Ed Harris, uh, who it turns out is a bit of a comrade, was drawn to the script's politics, claiming to be anti-contra and anti-intervention in Nicaragua, and saw making a film there mm. as a way to possibly stop the bloodshed. Mm-hmm. I think he potentially <laughs> overestimated the power of Alex Cox art films, but uh, uh, yeah. starring a, a variety of 80s indie rock musicians. Just get him to turn up to any conflict and just get him to bang a table going, what is violence? <laughs> what is violence? And then chuck a glass behind him. What is violence? <laughs> is that a scene from Walker? No, that's that's from a press conference when he's what he's doing for history of oh, violence. Oh yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> he's, just, he's just like, what is violence? What is he's violence? Banging the table. Is, 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 he's like, is this violence? And just bangs the table. And he's trying to make a point. He's not actually trying to incite violence in the room, but he he came across very intimidating when he did it. <laughs> Play clip. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the press conference for a history of violence. And I will immediately introduce the people who are here at this panel. Sitting next to me, actor and director, Mr. Ed Harris. Ed? Hmm? You wanted to add any? Not particularly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, you did do one. I'd like to add that. (laughs) No, because. What is that? What is that? No? What is that? What is it? What is it? What is violence? What is it? You know, that's what the movie's about. Ladies and gentlemen, on this note, uh, thank you very much for being here. 